Hi, I'm Tom Zimmerman. Welcome to the EMDR podcast, where we explore issues at the intersection of complex trauma and EMDR therapy. Um, one of the things that makes EMDR with clients with complex trauma difficult is phase two and developing the key emotional regulation skills that are going to help clients stay within their window of tolerance. Many, many clients that we work with, with really complex trauma, have survival strategies that go against what we're trying to do. Um, clients have uh, developed survival modes that are built around not noticing, that may be built around not slowing down, that may be skeptical of the, the information and the wisdom contained in the body. So don't be surprised if you're a relatively new therapist, don't be surprised if you have uh, clients who tell you with an absolutely straight face, um, just like they are stating a fact and they, they are stating a fact that comes from their world, which is that deep breathing doesn't work for me. These things that we're trying to do um, if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to have clients go, oh, you know, when you bring up these mindfulness skills, because they'll be pretty certain that they've already failed mindfulness and they're not going to like that you're going down the same old, very um, beaten road. And I think part of the problem you may have or may be having is that past therapists may not have understood that we're working with a pretty significantly traumatized nervous system. The rules, the worldview, the understanding of that nervous system is just different than a client that's not pervasively traumatized. So in a recent podcast episode, I talk about, you know, dip your toe in body scan and how we check. We check for embodiment. Um, this episode is built on that. So you may want to circle back around and listen to that one <clears throat> because um, what I'm going to walk you through is an exercise that's built around body scan, dip our toe into breathing, and body scan. So a lot of times when we do breathing and mindfulness, what we encourage the client to do is turn the lens inward. And remember that can be triggering because for many clients, survival is built upon keeping that lens outward. Uh, remember bodies can be really triggering for clients with trauma. So this is how I might introduce breathing to a client who um, tells me that, that mindfulness hasn't really worked well for them. We're going to dip our toe into breathing and we're going to get a little bit of uh, information. So first, I may dip the toe into the body and we do the body scan as I kind of walked you through in that other podcast episode where we just get numbers. How fast are your thoughts running? I'm using information from your fingertip and your jaw. How much tension is in your jaw? Um, neck muscles, soft and squishy like a pillow or steel cable. Pillows a zero, steel cables a 10. Shoulder, chest, you know, beneath your hand, you feel a knot, pressure, tension, movement, heaviness, emptiness, you know, central body, stomach, kind of just checking the body, checking for embodiment. I guarantee you clients with trauma are carrying something somewhere. 
Um, and what, what may just vary is their awareness of it. So your pervasively um, shut down clients may just not be aware of, of what the body is carrying and how the body may be trying in its own ways to protect, to protect the client. So again, body scan, we would have walked through that body scan. And now I'm going to introduce breath. And this would be for a client that um, has, has communicated in one form or another, this stuff doesn't work for me. It's very, very difficult for me. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to use everything I know about this client. And I'm going to guess a breath that they may be able to tolerate. Okay. And, um, and what I'm going to do, what I typically do is I turn my chair 90 degrees and then I just have the client watch me take one breath. And typically for a client with complex trauma, it's going to be a pretty short breath. It's not going to be this, you know, very deep, very long breath. It may be something like this. Okay. And again, you'll notice I'm taking a non-offensive position. Right, I'm kind of turning so that the client can see me, but I can't see them for the purposes of talking to you. I'm gonna turn and talk to you, but I'll keep my chair turned at a 90 degree angle. Um, only because anytime we do approach the body, there's often a very common performance anxiety that comes in. So I just modeled one breath. I'm gonna ask the client, you know, what you notice. And if the client says, oh my goodness, Tom, if I breathe that slowly, I would fall over dead. Well, guess what? That's important information. And with that information, when I invite the client to take one breath with me, we're going to take a much slower breath. Okay. So instead, I mean, we may go and then that's it. Right. And the question I'm often asking is, was that, you know, was that okay? Did that make anything worse? Was, is there any part of you, is there any part of your body that in some ways going, oh, hell no, I, I don't like that at all. And if it does, we pause, right? We just pause right there. If that one breath was okay, we may take two, okay? And if taking two breaths is okay, we may take three. And I'm probably going to stop there. I'm probably going to stop at that, that third breath because we don't want to dip down too low. We just want to dip down, notice it come back up when we first um, introduce breath. If that breathing process goes okay, then the client will have homework to body scan, take a breath at this pace that we just modeled, right? And body scan. And then they can see, does anything get calmer? Does anything, you know, and whatever, what, whatever we get is information. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to overly bias what the client might get or overly bias what the client might think we need them to experience or what we're expecting them to experience. So that's if everything goes well. If everything goes well, what I've modeled is you know, taking a non-offensive position, modeling a breath, taking one breath with the client, that's okay, taking two, that's okay, taking three. We do another quick body scan. We evaluate before that, you know, before we get a, you know, 
before their baseline anxiety has returned to wherever it was before we started, we're checking and we're checking to see whatever the client gets anywhere in the body. Is there any kind of response at all that you've gotten to that? We send them home with that homework, body scan, breathe, body scan. What do you do when the client tells you when you first check in, I don't like this. This is making it worse. It's making that pressure in my chest worse. It's making, you know, I just feel really, really um, jittery all over. So anytime you're getting um, information from the client that says, this is not good. I don't like this. This is not good. This is not safe. This is making it worse. Then what we do is we stop, we pause, we normalize that. And then the next time you're doing some, um, trying to do some mindfulness stuff with the client, what you can do is one of these breaths. And I call them bridge breaths because they have the advantage of letting you notice at the pace of breathing while the client can still keep their radar outward. Okay, so let me explain what I mean by that. When we breathe and when we notice our breath, we do kind of turn our radar inward. The client is in the room with me and I'm always male, um, typically in a pretty small room, right? If we're doing an in-person session. So even just turning that lens inward with someone I may not have, you know, may not have known for very long can be a pretty triggering exercise. Plus there's also the all the performance anxiety that comes with anything on the inside. What am I feeling? What am I supposed to be feeling? Tom, what do you need me to be feeling um, so that you can be okay? All that stuff, all that stuff, it's super common. It's super, um, it's super complicated <laughs> because trauma's super complicated. So let's talk about breaths that clients can do that let them keep that outward focus, let them keep their eyes on me, see that I'm not moving, see that I'm okay, I'm here. They can be aware of what's happening in the room, but they can also notice their breath, okay? Um, one of the things I'm likely to do is what, what I call hand breathing. And what we do is we put a hand about, you know, six to eight inches in front of the mouth, and on the out breath, we're gonna just notice the experience of the breath on the hand. Hands are incredibly sensitive parts of the body and we're just getting in touch with that. And the first thing I'm gonna ask is on that out breath, I want you to simply notice where the air is hitting your hand. And then I want you to notice the temperature. Is the temperature warmer or cooler or the same temperature as your hand? kind of, you know, hand temperature, right? So we use that, you know, we use that. And again, almost to the point where we're trying to visualize the breath on the hand. So I'm going to model this really quickly. Okay. So I'm noticing the experience of the breath on the hand. Most of it's hitting here, a little bit's hitting here. I'm feeling how the air is moving through my hand, okay? And 
what I'm noticing is at the same pace as my breath, because it is my breath, but I'm trying to visualize it. So that process lets us kind of, it lets us do this, right? It lets us notice the experience of the breath in a more externalized way. And for clients for whom bodies have been triggering, noticing has been triggering, um, expectations related to the body and noticing may be, um, may be triggering or may be complicated. This does let us notice, hopefully in less complicated ways, because um, we're, we're just noticing the externalized breath. And another breath that is related that, um, that people who have a history of smoking are much more likely to be able to do than non-smokers is can you on your out breath, can you visualize your out breath as a kind of colored smoke? Okay. So can you kind of see it? And I'll say, you know, pick the color, pick the color you want. A lot of times it's purple or it's blue. Um, what color would you like to try to visualize that smoke? And then let's try it. Okay. And you can do this with your eyes open. You can do this with your eyes closed. When I do it with my eyes closed, um, I, I don't see it here. I immediately snap to the side like the, like the old, old school Sesame Street when they would go bah and you'd see the, the, the syllables appear. I see the smoke kind of coming out the side as though my head is looking at it at, at the side. And that's okay. That works too. There's something about, what I like about this, um, this colored smoke approach is that it does externalize the breath. It lets us notice things in an externalized way. But one of the really cool things about it is that for some reason, when we force ourselves to have a hallucination, it does tend to take offline the parts of the brain that we need to ruminate. So one of the reasons deep breathing doesn't work for me, right, for clients with complex trauma, is that their heads are running so fast that their heads are pumping stress hormones into their body faster than their body's able to breathe it out. So what colored smoke does, and really what hand breathing may also do, is it, particularly when you really visualize the breath on your hand, what it does is it forces us to have a hallucination. It forces us to see something and experience something that's not really there. And when we do that, that tends to saturate the parts of the brain that we most need to think and ruminate. So it has the you know, dual or even triple effect of tapping the brake, letting the clients know that they're safe, and also um, minimizing the pace at which the brain may be running. So for clients that can't tolerate turning the lens inward, noticing a slow, deep breath, there's probably a way to do a bridge, a bridge breath where you notice here, or you just notice that breath as it comes out. Um, try it, I think you're gonna have uh, pretty good luck with it. And then once you find that, once you find an externalized breath that they can do, that's homework. Body scan, blue smoke, body scan.
body scan, hand breathe, body scan. And again, with breathing and every other resource, we don't throw them into the deep end of it. I have them just do a minute or so at a time of whatever resource that it is, um, because we don't want them to go from an eight to a four. We don't want them to go from an eight, really from an eight to a five. That's too relaxed too soon. We don't wanna over, because you may have a counter reaction because the nervous system thinks it's keeping you safe by keeping you at that eight. So again, this is an opportunity, dip our toe in, notice that it's gonna come right back up, dip our toe in, notice that, it, that it's gonna come right back up and maybe ways to dip our toes in to experiencing the breath, experiencing the body in a more internalized way. By the way, the hand is the body too. So don't forget that. And, and try this breath. It's, uh, uh, I find that when clients can't tell me that they just can't tolerate breathing, they can tolerate this. So give it a try. Let me know. And, um, and thanks for joining. We'll, we'll keep at it. Okay, bye-bye.